If you want to use in-ears and set up monitoring for your band, you should not use your computer interface in Ableton Live to do that. In today's episode of Behind the Spacebar, I'm going to explain exactly why not. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Spacebar. This is a podcast that helps you learn how to perform like a pro with Ableton Live. And you're going, Will, we normally talk about Ableton Live and backing tracks and keys and live looping and all the fun stuff. Why are we talking about in-ears? What the heck does that have to do with using packing tracks? Well, it's it's crucial. It's part of what I call the 3T transition. Timeline, really cheesy name, I know. But number one, we have to transition to using in-ears. Number two, transition to be able to play with a click. So that number three, we can transition to playing with tracks. Notice how I didn't say play two tracks or play two click. Playing with is different than playing two. Another podcast conversation for another day. But uh, crucial to the part of using backing tracks is using in-ears. Now, I have tons and tons of content, which I cannot cover all of it in today's episode, about in-ears, how to transition your team if you're a worship leader, uh, how to convince your band if you are the one person in your band that wants to use in-ears and the others don't to use in-ears, how to set up an inexpensive in-ears system, even to a really old webinar, probably about four years old, where I talk about creating a great in-ear mix. I've thrown all that together in a playlist for free that you can watch on YouTube. But let's just start at the beginning. Let's agree we all should use in-ears. If you're not on the fence, or if you're on the fence, you're not in agreement about that, check out some of the content in that playlist. Um, but now we're on to the point of how to set this up, how to make this happen. Um, for me, it, it, I think it's maybe important for you to know a bit of my background. Most of my performance scenarios and performance um, uh, background is with a band on stage. Um, I've done some solo performance, like done a live looping thing in a coffee shop once with my guitar, uh, done some solo guitar things, done some playing keys and guitar and my wife singing kind of stuff. But the majority of it is me in a band. And in most of those scenarios, I walk into a situation, a venue, whether it's a church, whether it's a club, uh, whether it's a theater, um, whether it's an arena, where someone has brought in sound equipment and has already set up in-ears for me. Now, I have been in some situations where I was in charge of figuring out, okay, what do we buy? How do we set up in-ears? But the majority of my situations is I walk into something that's already been set up. So um, I was kind of shocked and surprised the first couple times someone reached out to me and said, hey, um, I'm trying to set up in-ears uh, for me, I'm the drummer. How can I use Ableton Live for tracks and do all my in-ear monitoring? And I thought, well, that's silly. Why would you want to do that? You've got in-ears there at the venue. And then I've had solo artists and live looping artists reach out and go, hey, um, so I've got this interface. How do I set up monitors and in-ears using my interface and still process vocals and do all that? And I thought, well, don't you have a monitor console? This is weird. So I've had to step out of my context, my scenario a little bit, to, to realize and consider there are a lot of different contexts, a lot of different people watching this, listening, um, that have different backgrounds. If your background is primarily a band playing on stage, walk, walking into menus that are already set up, today's content probably is not gonna be for you. If you are a solo live looping artist, someone who's looking to be on stage and perform at some point, or to take your music from the studio to the stage and you go, I know I need to have in-ears, um, how can I do this? Today's content is all for you. Now, context is everything. I wanna say if you are a solo artist, um, meaning you're just literally one person on stage, um, it is possible that you could use your interface in Ableton Live for monitors and for in-ears as well too. Um, but you should still listen to today's episode because I wanna share the reasons why you should not. 100% if you're in a band, you should not use Ableton Live in your interface for monitors. We'll get into that. But if you're a solo artist, there are scenarios where you could, but we'll talk about that in future videos. I still would suggest starting 
with the assumption that you couldn't. Okay, I've made way too many caveats and way too many backstories and contexts. Let's get to it. Okay, number one. Number one reason why you should not use your computer interface in Ableton Live for in-ears and for monitoring is latency. When you plug a microphone, set a couple different mics up against a drum set, I take those microphones, I plug those into my interface, I then convert that analog signal into a digital signal through my interface, go through the USB cable into Ableton Live, uh, um, you know, create effects, add effects in Ableton Live, send those back out of Ableton Live through the headphone output of my interface, plug my headphones in, I have introduced massive, likely massive amounts of latency into my signal. What is latency? It's a delay between when you perform an action and when you actually hear it. So. For me, the most common way to experience this is plug a mini controller into Ableton Live, um, increase your buffer size super high, the highest it could possibly go, load in a mini sound into Ableton Live and press play. And what you're gonna hear is you're gonna hit it and then it's it's gonna kinda feel like there's a delay on it. Like you hear the sound after you play it. You can 100% hear it if you plug a microphone into your interface. Again, increase that buffer, si buffer size sky high, monitor through your interface actually hearing Ableton's output and talk and you'll hear, um, sometimes I mean it feels like seconds worth of delay. It, it just feels so delayed. Latency is is the, um, I, I think one of the things that people that are not used to performing live on stage um, aren't familiar with that's holding them back and keeping them from having a great performance, particularly great in-ears. Let's talk about if we're doing this for a full band on stage, let's forget the solo artist for a second. Um, uh, drum set, bass guitar, uh, guitar player, vocals. I've got mics to connect all of those to my audio interface to process all that. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I need a computer that's strong enough to handle all that, to keep my buffer size as low as possible so that I have the least amount of latency possible in my computer to hear all those things in real time. And when you use a audio interface to create your, um, your monitoring setup and you're using a DAW to do your processing and to create your mixes to then send back out of that audio interface, you are introducing undue, unneeded latency. Maybe the best way to experience this is it's almost like, you know, search on the app store for one of those apps that um, adds latency and delay. It's like a drunk app to make it sound like you're drunk and you're slurring your words because not many of us can, you know, record, hear ourselves back and not have that affect us. Um, it's really hard to keep talking and to talk through it. Um, I see a lot of folks that create in-ear setups that are very latent because they're using their interface and able to live because they haven't heard that they shouldn't. And they end up creating a sound that maybe could best be described as mushy. It's not tight. It's really hard for the bassist to lock in with the drummer, not because they're a bad musician, but because they're hearing a signal that's so far behind what's actually happening in the moment. Uh, it's, it's like they're in a different zip code. It's just so hard to lock in and play together. So latency is the number one culprit and number one reason why you should not use your audio interface in your DAW for in-ears. Number two, again, let's talk full band, is you've gotta get every input of your band to your interface. Because what you do not wanna do is say, and again, I have people reach out all the time that say, hey, I'm a drummer, I need to create an inner mix for me, um, and I'm gonna, I need to use my interface and my computer because I, I can't carry around extra gear. I get that, I understand that. But what they're talking about doing is getting their drum mics to their interface but not getting the bassist, not getting the lead vocalist, not getting the guitar player, or worse yet, maybe getting the bassist and guitar player uh, and the vocalist from like a monitor console, plugging that into their interface and then getting the drum mics, it just becomes a mess. 
when you have in-ears, you wanna hear everything on stage. Now you wanna adjust it with varying levels, and we'll talk about some other things you can do to improve your in-ear mix here in a second. But you wanna have every single one of those inputs so that you don't feel isolated and alone. Um, using in-ears doesn't have to be a bad experience. Now, if you have a bad mix, it's gonna feel restrictive. It's gonna feel like you can't lock in, like you can't groove. Um, but if you have a great in-ear mix, it's gonna be one of the best experiences you'll ever have on stage. Because you're gonna have a mix that's exactly what you need to hear, just enough of the band to stay locked in and to play tight, and just enough of yourself to, to you know, play with everyone else and be in the moment um, and have this kind of um, perfect mix for you, perfect mix for every individual on stage. But in order to do that, you've got to get all those inputs. And if you're using your interface in Ableton Live to do this, that's going to be a lot of inputs if you're a full band on stage. Even if you're a solo artist, let's imagine we've got a mic, we've got maybe a guitar, maybe a couple synths. You could maybe get by with an eight channel input interface. And again, there are scenarios where live looping artists could do this but the majority of the time, we're not gonna want to use our audio interface and we're not gonna want to uh, use Ableton Live for that. Number three, again, let's say we, we were able to get all those things to our interface. Let's say we were able to get our, our latency down low enough. Number three, we wanna use um, EQ and effects for our in-ears that are gonna make the experience of using in-ears great. So for vocalists, um, I'm going to want to put. I'm going to want to put reverb on my vocals so that uh, when I sing, I feel like it's not this bare experience, right? Um, but if I just put vocals in a doll, one that's going to increase the latency. Adding that EQ is going to increase the latency of what's getting back to me. Again, go back and see point number one, which is our most important point. But number two, uh, you want reverb in your ears that's different than reverb at front of house. Because most of the time you're gonna want more reverb in your ears than you want at front of house, right? Uh, in front of house is the soundboard that's mixing for everyone in the audience. If you're using your DAW for this, again, the more EQs, the more effects you add, um, <clears throat> the more latency you're gonna add, see point number one, uh, the more stress it's gonna put on your computer. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, but it just becomes a tangled mess to try to, uh, to try to manage, to try to keep up with, particularly if you're also using that computer for tracks. Um, and, and you know maybe you're using it for automation as well too and just doing a lot of stuff. You're, it's just gonna be a mess. Okay, number four, this is a variant of number one. Again, number one is the most important. So when in doubt, see number one. Number four, we need to make sure our computer has a buffer size high enough to avoid audio dropouts. And here's what I mean. Um, when we're using a computer on stage, there's kind of this balance of giving enough power to our CPU to avoid audio dropouts, but at the same time, uh, giving enough power to processing things in real times to, to avoid latency. This starts to really become a problem when we, for instance, have virtual key sounds on the same computer where we're running tracks, we're processing vocals on the same computer where we're running tracks, because oftentimes we'll bring our buffer size down low enough um, to reduce the latency, but then we'll start to get audio dropouts and we add more effects to our vocals and we get even more audio dropouts and we go, what in the world is happening? Well, if we can separate those things, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Actually, our very next thing, we'll talk about that in a moment while that's important. But if I am using tracks, if I'm using my computer for things other than creating in-ears, I'm gonna need my buffer size high enough to process and handle all that audio. But the higher I raise my buffer size, the, the more latency is introduced into my signals. So like we said at the beginning, we want our latency as low as possible, which happens when we lower our buffer size, but we want 
uh, audio dropouts and as much power dedicated to our CPU uh, as possible. So we're gonna raise our buffer size and therein lies the problem, as you can see, right? Number one, we need low latency, but we need uh, enough computer power to avoid audio dropouts and we start to get in this kind of delicate balance. Number five, and to me, this is one of the most important things, is this concept of division of labor. This is something I did a couple episodes ago where I talked about um, something that solo artists and live looping artists could learn from traditional performers. And I just say traditional meaning a band on stage, even a solo artist on stage walking into a venue, is this concept of division of labor. In a typical live sound situation, um, performance venue situation, you walk in and there is a audio console at front of house that's for uh, to control what the audience hears. There most likely, maybe, is an audio console side of stage uh, to control what the band hears on stage. And in some scenarios, there's even a, maybe a third console to control what the online audience hears if you're doing like a broadcast type thing. What's nice about that is that gives us a separate mix. We talked about different EQs, different effects for each of those scenarios. So broadcast online mix is going to have way more reverb, probably way more effects on vocals than front of house would. Again, the mix that the people in the audience hear. Um, the monitor console is going to have different effects. It's going to be mixed differently than what the front of house console has. Uh, when I just use one computer for all of that, um, I'm putting all that stress, all those different tasks on one machine. Division of labor says, let's let each individual piece do its own separate task. So let's let front of house focus on uh, um, uh, audio for the people. Let's let monitor focus on audio for the band and let's let broadcast focus on audio for the online people. Um, when we bring everything to one computer and I had someone reach out, I wish I could remember their name, um, that said, hey, I'd love to see you on our Ableton set because we're running tracks, we're running keys, we're processing live vocals, we're recording and we're doing monitor for uh, the band all in one Ableton session. And I wanted to reply back and say, this is amazing. I, you know, reach out to me uh, the first time it goes down and you lose all of that because there's the key to division of labor, is if you separate those tasks out, if my tracks computer goes down, if this scenario that we're talking about, if I'm running tracks from Ableton, if I'm processing virtual keys from Ableton, if I'm processing my vocals in Ableton, and I'm doing my intermix in Ableton, if my computer goes down, guess what goes down? Tracks, vocal processing, my inner rig, uh, uh, all the monitor stuff, you know, whatever else I said, virtual keys, all of that goes down. If I separate that, and I use a monitor console, a digital console for my monitors for in-ears and my tracks computer goes down. Well, kind of stinks because we lost click, we lost tracks, but at least we could still hear each other, right? We have little to no latency. Um, uh, it's just a way better situation than putting all that stress on your computer. So again, that if your computer goes down, everything else goes down with it. So those are five things, five reasons why you should not use your computer for in-ears. And again, yes, there's a context, there's a scenario where one individual could show up with a universal audio interface and have next to zero latency monitoring, but just know the professional, the way most traditional performers do this is uh, apply the concept of division of labor and hand that off to someone else. Now, I wanna end really quickly, two minutes. I went through all this and said, you should not do this. Well, what should you do instead? One, check out that playlist, that content that uh, I suggested that I've recorded before because I talked a little bit about this. But what you should do instead is, again, apply that concept of division of labor. And I want you to devote a console or a digital console that its sole goal is just to mix in-ears for your band. Now you may go, well, we don't have the money to do that. Well, 
then I would encourage you to purchase a digital console like a Persona Studio Live, Behringer X32, uh, Midas M32, there's Allen and Heath consoles, a digital console that would allow you to one, mix front of house, create a mix for the audience, uh, create a separate mix for your band that's gonna be latency free. There's latency there, but it's, it's so minute and it's so small that you're not gonna be able to hear it. Um, you could control that from your phones, from your iPad, from your computer, whatever you want to do. You could even automate that with Ableton Live. In fact, on the site, I have courses to show you how to automate the Behringer P16, the Behringer X32, also M32 works the same way. With Ableton Live, if you're interested in that, I have a full template showing you how to do that. The Behringer Wing, three courses, I forgot about the Wing. I'll link to those in the show notes to show you how to do that. But if you separate that from the computer that's running tracks, even as a solo artist, um, I did a coaching session with Vinny the other day and Vinny was reaching out. He's about to go on the road um, and do kind of a solo wee artist thing with some tracks. He's done some DJing and producing of music, but he's going to go perform his music. And he wanted to know how to set up Ableton and in-ears, kind of similar to what we talked about. And I said, Vinny, if you're okay with it, I'm going to take you down a completely different path. And I suggested he purchase a digital console and set up in-ears for himself and the guests that will be coming on stage to sing as opposed to trying to do all this in the box in Ableton Live. So I know that's a real quick two to three minute wrap up there, but I hope you get the point that there's a better way to do in-ears and monitors than your computer. And again, I understand there's context and scenarios where you could get by with it. If you're a full band, definitely do not. Um, because if you use your computer and do that, and you try that and then go to you know a digital console actually mixing your in-ears, you're gonna play so much better together as a band. You'll be able to lock in just a better experience. And that's the whole goal of in-ears and monitors is to make what's happening on stage, make you feel more comfortable, more confident, which in turn creates a better performance for people in the audience. So if you wanna learn how to do all this and more and have a encouraging, coachable community um, to help you along the way, head to fromstudiostage.com slash subscribe and become a From Studio to Stage student. I already mentioned some of the benefits early on, but you can head to that page and see all the benefits available. And if you're not ready for that quite yet, consider subscribing on YouTube. Uh, you can hit the subscribe uh, button and enable the bell icon so you see exactly when I post new content. Um, and uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, then consider following or subscribing. Uh, and you can also leave a rating or review on the show. Um, I know this was me just talking to a camera, but I do a lot of tutorial content. So if you're brand new to the channel, again, make sure you head to YouTube to subscribe to see those tutorials as opposed to just listen to the podcast. Thanks so much for watching and listening. And, um, and thank you so much for being a part of the community. Thanks for continually asking great questions for the encouragement. And we'll see you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye.